Inspirato Projecto. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'm really flattered to know that George Takei is uh, a fan of We Live on a Planet. That was groovy. I'm glad I got to hear from him. <laughs> so cool, man. I hope you're having a great Thursday. Thanks again for calling in and giving me that uh, celebrity endorsement. I'm honored. Thanks for taking that time. Peace, my friend. And a family and so on. It's all um, a dream. Dream, dream, dream. You're listening to Inspirato Projecto. Thank you so much. We live on a planet and man behind the machine. Thank you so much, you guys, for providing um, those 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 openers. I was just thinking, oh, this is Inspirato Projecto, by the way, for those of you who are listening. Thank you so much to everyone who's been um, who's been voting for Inspirato Projecto as the best arts podcast. Thank you guys so much for doing that at the uh, podcastawards.com. I'm hearing a lot of great feedback, and thank you guys um, for just being a part of... <laughs> yeah. you. Without you guys... Uh, it would be like the tree falling in the forest. Would it, would it make a sound? Well, if that if that tree has ears, and uh, it, ideally also if it recorded it itself falling, then that's also in a sense kind of mechanical ears. So I'm so excited about that. The fact that I'm I'm nominated for uh, for that award and also the Adam Curry Award. It's just so kick ass that. Folks are, are listening to this and paying attention to it, and it's skyrocketing. And the theory proves, you know, it just proves this theory right, that when you, when you inject what you're doing, when you infuse positivity and, um, and, and with the mission of enlightening others and broadcasting their talents, their passions, and stuff like that, you bring those to the forefront, that energy, that momentum just keeps moving, moving, moving. Now, this is an idea that I had for a movie. This is a while ago. Uh, well, there are two of them that both have to do with water. Uh, this is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure here. Uh, one of them involves a... What do they call it? Uh, dehumidifier. And the other has to do with... Ooh, oh, yeah. A hummingbird is just fl- fl- just flew over there by the... By the bird feeder, by the hummingbird feeder. I think I need to. Uh, it's out there. Let's see how close can we get. Can we actually hear it talking? It's going. It's like making this little noise. Let's see. Hummingbird. Oh look who's out here! Oh hi guys. We got Oliver and we got Marky out here on the balcony. Did you see the hummingbird? You had to have, right? Did you see it, Marky? Did you see that hummingbird? You had to have seen that hummingbird. Hmm? Just beautiful out here, isn't it? Beautiful out here. Oh, yeah. Sunbeams coming down. What a treat. What a treat. Mountains in the background. So one of these ideas has to do with sort of an aquarium, and one of them has to do with a dehumidifier. They're both sort of science fiction in nature. Okay, let's go this way. The aquarium one. Remind me to loop back around for the uh, dehumidifier. The aquarium, there's this guy who, ever since he was a little boy, he, he has trained 
just to hold his breath as long as he could. As, lo as, as soon as he learned how to... As soon as he learned how to swim, he, he began holding his head underwater for as long as he could. And as he went through life... Let's say something happens. I don't know if something happens, but but basically, he starts. His his mission is to eventually breathe water. He wants to breathe underwater. He wants to become friends with the fishes. He feels that he's got a specific, he's got a particular connection with the fishes, and so he, in a sense, sort of trains his body to be more used to water than oxygen. So, you know, he'll go into these he'll go into these uh, sort of aquariums. They're not necessarily closed off, but you know they're they're it's it's kind of a little contained kind of area, I guess, sort of like a what do you call them? Sensory deprivation tank, I suppose. Who knows? Maybe that wide? I don't know. But just deep enough where he can dip his head underwater and he could just like curl up underwater or stretch out. And so what happens is he he begins holding his breath longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and longer, and as a result of this. As it's been said, our body, you know, our flesh is the biggest, it has the most surface area for being an, an organ. So it just starts, like the pores just start getting used to having this water sensation. So this is what I'm thinking. The guy, he starts training himself to breathe less and less oxygen and to breathe more and more water by filling... I don't know if it'd be his house, his room, whatever it is. Uh, I'm imagining like a sauna kind of thing. So he gets used to having all those water molecules around all the time, and then he, and then maybe he amplifies the the um, let's say the amount of steam that's in there. So then there's even more. So then that's in his pores. That's in his pores. He's breathing that in his lungs. Breathing that in his lungs, and 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 then until he just keep, it keeps getting thicker and thicker and thicker. And he becomes so used to this that he eventually is able to really go take his first breath, breaths of water, and bam, you know, he has just enabled himself to, to do this. So, uh, let's say at some point, heck, maybe that, I mean, that could be one movie just in itself. Let's say the next movie is, you know, that's just fresh water. That's only, you know, in controlled environment. So, you know, I don't know if they just immediately dump him in a lake and he'd be able to breathe. You know, I don't know all those particulars yet. Now, let's say for if there's a part two movie, he wants to start swimming in the ocean. He wants to breathe under the ocean. So what he starts doing is the same thing. He starts training himself. Now that he can sleep on uh, or breathe underwater... He starts adding a little more and more salt to it, a little more and more salt to it, a little more and more and more until he can totally breathe it. And, uh, heck, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt if maybe, I mean, we might as well add to it. Maybe during that time while he's, he's learning how to breathe more, he, maybe he has a, he gets a surgery to, to basically have gills. Who knows? Who knows? Um... There's so many avenues we can go with this. So that's that's something I had thought about a while ago, and I don't know if I brought that up ever onto this podcast. Now, the other one concerning water, dehumidifier. There's this time 
when I was living with my uh, my dad and my my stepmom, they had basically moved into their first house together, and I was living in the basement. And I would I had my own little door back there, and I would come and go, and it was just great. It was just great. They they lived upstairs, and you know sometimes I'd go up there and eat dinner, but other times you know I was just kind of it was kind of like my my first. Um, introduction into kind of having my own place, so to speak. And um, we had just moved into this place, Glen Ellen, and their wedding was out there in Door County, Wisconsin. So on the night of the, of the wedding, of the reception, we get this phone call, and it's the neighbors, and they're saying they walk past the house, and water was coming out in front of the door. And so we found out, we found out that a, apparently a pipe busted in there or something. There was all this water came from the second floor, went down to the first floor, flooded the basement. All, all of this stuff, all of this stuff got, just got soaked. Well, luckily, um, my dad had, luckily they had some kind of homeowner's insurance for floods, I guess. And um, it's interesting. This, this is a side note, but it, uh, I noticed water issues... Once I moved in with my dad, I noticed water issues, uh, which I can talk about in a, at another point. However, this is this is just interesting that this kind of continues along with that this uh, this, this um, metaphor of water things uh, in my life. So we hear that that's going on. There's nothing we can do. We're out in Door County, so we end up going back the next day and. Um, we're looking at it like, holy cow. And so some company comes through and I guess takes all of the stuff and they put it in little paper bags or they lay it out in a warehouse. All this stuff gets laid out in a warehouse, um, um, accounted for, labeled. They go through this thing. And, you know, to try to dry it the best they can, they dry it the best they can. And then whatever's damaged or they think is damaged, they give you a certain amount of money. Um, like I, I was, wow, I was quoted like 2100 bucks for all these books that I had all these science fiction books and everything. Now, the interesting thing was, I could still read them, actually. They they just considered them damaged, and they counted them damaged. And so I ended up getting a check, and I still had the... It was like having the cake and eating it, too. I still had the books. And so all this money, you know, really actually helped out a lot. Strangely enough, when you look at strange circumstances, that money actually helped out so much with me moving out to to California. Had that strange occurrence not happened, I I would I I mean, that that helped out. That gave me the, uh, and of course whatever money else I had saved up that got me the 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 car, the Chevy Cavalier that helped drive me out here. So it it was a lot of very interesting circumstances that uh, evolved, you know, in your life when you're like, what the heck? And then it turns out into this joyful, great um, key uh, element element in the unfolding of the, the quest, of the mission. So, every mission has ogres, dragons, trolls, etc., etc., etc. Those those things are going to be there. The wizards, the warlocks, the sirens, the witches. They're all going to be there. The pixies, the elves. They're all, gonna, all there. They're all there. So, we found out about that. We had to go live in a uh, in a in a a middle sort of house. 
better go live in sort of a middle kind of house so that we were, we were going to, they were, they were, I guess I don't know if they were renting it for us or what, but we were in there. And during that time, what was interesting, what was interesting, while in that house, um, something happened where clothes and stuff that was in the laundry room, I guess it rained. I guess it rained and it came through the roof there or something. So then I got those clothes wet and all that stuff. So we had to, there was, there, for some reason, there were, there were holes in the ceiling or something. So it, so it, it leaked water. So then we had to go live in a, in a hotel for a short time. So while we were there staying in the hotel, right there in the closet, it leaked through there. So it was just like this really, really, really weird thing. Now, by the, by the end of that, we ended up getting back into the, uh, in, back into the house. Now, what they had done and this wraps me around to the dehumidifiers, is that they had these humongous dehumidifiers in there that were just sucking out all the water out of the carpets, out of the walls. I mean, it was just like... And I started thinking, wow, what an interesting horror film that would be where they basically dehydrate a person to death. So they stick them in this room. You know, like, you better tell us the information that, that, that you can tell us. Um... And, you know, maybe they're not given any water, whatever. They're just, they're just in this room with all these dehumidifiers. And it's just sucking out all of the water, all of the, you know, all of the water and, and, and uh, out of this person. And so they're sort of like starting to shrivel up. So uh, I didn't get much farther than that. However, I, I was wondering, wow, how many of those dehumidifiers would it take to actually dehydrate De, like like you see um, those dehydrated meat products or like uh, dehydrated fruits. Those things, they're just, it's like just add water kind of thing and bloop, and it pops back up. I, 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 it's, I, I am baffled that that's even a possibility that we can even do something like that. Kind of take out the soul of something and kind of just reduce it just to its matter just to the matter that's there and then in comes the water wow incredible incredible when you think about it so yeah those are two of them the the guy who learns how to breathe underwater and the uh, dehumidifier that is i believe that's all for now uh we'll be back with well, let's just say we'll, we'll be back with some more stuff that I think you're, I think you're, I think you're going to enjoy. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, you take care, and I promise you, we we got some interesting stuff coming up right around the corner, right around the corner. <clears throat> I was just reading online. There's uh, apparently I don't know if it's in Los Angeles. I think it's Los Angeles. Uh, there's a security guard there. It's blocked off. It's a specific mural. It's got wings. And apparently pe only people who are verified, uh, who, people who are, quote, influencers, unquote, or have 20,000 followers can take pictures in front of this mural. 
Uh, it's funny because I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of influencers. And once you call yourself an influencer, uh, how companies are like, oh, well, this person influences people. And so now we're going to we're going to sponsor them or give them free stuff just by saying, I'm an influencer. So I was thinking, wow, that's so interesting, this idea that they have... Um, these, these folks have successfully made an area popular by simply saying only specific kinds of people can take photos here. And when you say that enough and you show some publicity and you show a guy in a, in a security guard uniform standing out in front of a, um, a closed-off uh, tarp thing, when you show that around, it looks like, oh, sorry, only special people allowed in here. Everybody wants to be special. So then, you know, I want to be in there. It, it kind of reminds me of that new uh, Sasha Baron Cohen show. Um, it's about America. This is America, I think. And um, he's talking with Bernie Sanders. He's like, well, let's make the, make, make the 99 the 1%. You know, let's, and um, it's kind of funny. That's kind of what it is, you know, by going, okay, this is only exclusive, a.k.a. 1%. Okay, only these people get to take this photo. By everybody going, no, 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 don't make it exclusive. I want to take photos there. Now you're getting people going, I need to take photos there. And I don't know what this specific spot was before it caused this, quote, controversy, unquote. Just brilliant. Just brilliant. I've been thinking about painting this uh, video store, their, their mural, for years. And I think I might do that. And I think what I might do, too, is set, set a, a barrier around it. We, ju we just uh, dress someone up in a security guard outfit. And uh, we say, you know, go out there and only, only these specific people can get in here. And, uh, oh, my God. That just is just just amazing. We and then we make some signs. We get people angry, swinging the signs around. Not fair. Not fair. Everybody's special. Not fair. Not fair. So you you really make people want to go. Well, I need to take photos in front of this. Hmm. Intriguing. Intriguing. So, you heard it here first, folks. When this starts happening, you'll know. You were part of it. You were part of it. You're, you're, you're held responsible. You're held responsible now. Your fault. You heard every word of it. You heard every word of it. Now you're held responsible. Sorry, you're an accomplice now. Just thought I'd let you know you are now... I know. Right? They thought they were a passive listener... You know, just ob just observing it, and now, well, looks like it's like they're a part of it now. So you'll see, you'll see, you know, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. You'll know exactly what I'm saying. There's this part in this uh, video where the woman goes, where's the groom at?
so they're like, she's like, where's the groom at? And because it's funny, because as I've been editing this this uh, video, I've been wondering, well, yeah, where's the groom at? And then all of a sudden, this lady asks, and I thought, ooh, how interesting would that be? Is if you know, you got this movie, this feature film, and it's basically it's told like a wedding video. And and in addition to what's going on in the wedding video, you get to see like what's going on behind the scenes and stuff. You know what what is going on with the wet the people shooting the wedding video. What's going on with them? Um, and so we come to this revelation. You know that's when the the because like when I when I edit these wedding videos, a lot of times I don't know who the groom is, who the bride is. It just starts out with these people getting ready and prepared for their thing. So it's like a detective job trying to figure out, okay, who's the, who's the groom? So <clears throat> I've been doing that same thing on here, wondering what's going on. So I think if we present, you know, something to the audience, about 15 minutes goes by and we see this thing. And all of a sudden then we're like, oh, where's the groom? And they go, oh, he's in his bedroom. And all of a sudden the reaction based on the friend's Maybe maybe the groom is in the bedroom and maybe he can't move. Maybe he's like, you know, like there's something very, very strange about him. You know, either A, what pops in my brain is he's one of those guys that just doesn't leave the bed. You know, like he, he's like he's so heavy. He's just eaten so much food that he is just like one of those really just hugely overweight dudes just a very fat guy so either something like that or b the guy is sleeping you know in a coma and he's hooked up to this like heck maybe within oh wouldn't that be interesting it's at that moment that the audience realizes that this is actually taking place in the future or in the now with someone who has the know-how um Basically, it's the idea that there's a monitor there in the other room, and it's the face of the friend, and, you know, he can communicate through his dreams, so to speak, through being unconscious, with the person standing in front of him. So, basically, the whole idea is that they're going to wheel this machine out to have the wedding. You know, maybe he wrote a contract or something. If he's, you know, he's like, look, if I don't come out of a coma in 10 years you know, please set up a wedding for me. Here's the money set aside. I want to get married to, you know, Marsha or whatever. <laughs> and so the day has arrived and the guy's still in a coma. And um, he's still able to communicate with everyone. There's speakers on there. He's able to like, you know, talk to everyone. Hey, everyone. Um, another idea is that the guy is like, there, there's some kind of strange thing going on, even if it's just like a brain in a jar kind of thing. And, um, the electrodes run to some kind of robot system that moves it around. Hmm. So yeah, that's something that just popped into my brain. I'm thinking, hmm, that, that might be fun. That might be fun to play with.
Whoa, after I just said that, I thought of an idea for uh, an, an additional piece of a movie where then um, either that same one or a different movie where someone, um, there's a podcaster who is, you know, he edits wedding videos and, um, you know, talks about these various things. And uh, somehow, through some means, someone, you know, gets a hold of the of the podcast and, you know, they're listening and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, this guy, like, he had its wedding videos. And then they end up getting their, you know, he ends up getting his video shot and months pass by. And then he's he's hearing this podcast and the guy's talking about all these different things. And the guy's listening to the podcast going, hey, that sounds a lot like my wedding and stuff like that. And then, um, just, you know, the, the podcasters talk about the human behavior aspect of it, where he's talking about, well, you know, it just seemed like this is my first reading, you know, after watching how the, the bride was treating the, the, um, the groom and the way that the family was treating, you know, the, the groom's mom, um, I could see some strange stuff going on down the line, you know? So it's like, he's, he's kind of assessing what he sees. He's kind of using, um, NLP, um, uh, human behavior, stuff like that, body language, to sort of assess the the behaviors. You know, maybe he does this each time he edits a wedding deal. And all of a sudden, this guy who's listening, he realizes, oh my God, wait, is that my, you know, is he talking about, about my wedding? Is he Is he editing that? Is that possible? And then he's just fascinated. It's like he's torn between telling anyone that he's listening to this. He's torn between keeping it to himself, sharing it with everyone, not telling anyone and, and contacting the podcaster, uh, feeling some strange sense of duty to call the, the company and yelling at them about the podcaster. You know, there's something about that, you know, like, Oh yeah, am I required in this moment in time? Is this one of those moments in times where I have to pull that card where I, where I have to put my foot down on this thing? Is that the, is that the reaction that usually is warranted and or expected by this kind of behavior? So, um, He's listening and listening, and these podcasts are unfolding, and it's like revealing deep truths. And so he decides to maybe keep it to himself. And as he's walking around, he's watching, he's listening, he's he's taking in this idea of like how the parents are treating him, how the how they are treating his family, how you know things are unfolding. Is it true? Are there, does he relate to the things that this podcaster talks about? So it's, it's this extra layer, extra layer of, of, uh, of intrigue and not wanting to contaminate the, the, the analysis. This is my fake laugh. Fake laugh. Fake laugh. Fake laugh. 
fake laugh. Fake laugh. Thank you. Thank you dearly, Craig Spivak, for that wonderful, wonderful message. I basically, I to just break down and, and do this. Um, before I open it, I'm going to read to you two two things. Oh, tattoos. Okay. Oh, sticker. Limited edition prize inside. Okay, so that's the the Crackjack sticker. These are these two things I found in the bottom of Crackjack's boxes. Um, Jenny got me three Crackjacks. I ate two of them already. Each of these are stickers. That's so cool. So cool. Oh, interesting. Download the free Blipar app. Aim and frame your prize inside. Reveal a fun digital experience. That is really actually very, very, very clever. It's very, very clever to, to, to make it a digital experience. Download the free Blipper app. Interesting. Aim your aim and frame your prize inside. Interesting. So here we go. Ingredients, corn, uh, sugar, corn syrup, popcorn, peanuts, molasses, salt, corn, and or soybean oil, and soy lecithin. Contains peanut and soy ingredients, allergy information. This product is made in a facility that also makes products containing tree nuts. If there's anything you want to say to these folks, I'm opening up the third box right now. Now remember, I had two. And then I had a delicious vegan pizza that Jenny split with me. I'm eating this third box. I just can't help myself. I'm going to go back to wedding video editing. Oh my goodness. Wow. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Cracker Jack, don't talk back. Crackety Jack. Crackety Jack, don't crunch back. Mmm, 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 mmm. Crackety Jack, don't crunch back. Mmm, 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 mmm. Just imagine yourself. Oh my goodness. Really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. Some people like to hear the crunches. 
There's a whole culture out there called ASMR. If you enjoy the sounds, the soundscapes, the orchestra. Mm-hmm. If you enjoy the orchestra of the sounds themselves. Then there's a very good chance you've stuck with me on other podcasts. Hmm. Because you have tuned into. Hmm. You've tuned into a show that is concerned with tuning into. Mm. the natural unfolding of the universe. That was tasty. Wow. Cracker Jacks, folks. They're still out there. In the world. And among the populace. Mmm. Keep that in mind. How cool is that, you guys? We have another day to uh, to hang out together. My sister Jenny just told me that she just met Shepherd Fairy. She just sent me a text message about that. The Obey guy. Obey. I utilize lots of those various pieces of knowledge in my podcast I like to do. What's interesting, too, is I uh, recently talked about Phil Donilon. Phil Donilon became friends with Shepard Ferry. Uh, how did he become friends with him? I think it was through... Um, he did... He helped out. He did camera work for this crazy documentary about the Flaming Lips. Phil Donilon, my buddy from high school who, who I was in all these improv groups with. And uh, he's now friends with Ernie Hudson and... The guy who was the main kid in Free Willy. His friends with Danny DeVito. It's quite interesting. Phil is the guy I met uh, with Ted Levine, Mike Sodi, uh, their buddy Ed, and we, uh, and, and all of us, we met Dick Dale out in the middle of the desert. We survived to tell that tale. I will tell that tale again. I feel like I've told that that tale many, many times. I will tell that tale again. 
some at some point. I think right now, I want to read for you guys from Edward Gorey's Amphigory 2. Amphigory. I figured now would be a good time to play some uh, good old-fashioned, you know, maybe some music from back in the day. A lot of folks thought he was around long ago, 1800s. These books came out. Now, this Amphigory, too, it's a, it's a combination of all these different books that he put together. So, oh, wow, 1975. Wow. The earliest one is in 1953. Wow, wow, wow. He no doubt inspired Tim Burton... And, uh, and all of his shenanigans, no doubt. Uh-oh, what is this? The new Shazam trailer. Uh-oh, okay, we're going to put that on pause. Put that on pause. Now, going to play some, let's say, okay, so 19, what was that? Earliest 1950s. All right, so 1953 music. How about that? 1953 music. 1953 jazz. How about that? Jazz. That's what we're looking for. 1953 jazz. There we go. Here we go. Huh. Dave Brubeck Quartet. Why not? Jazz at Oberlin, 1953. That's what it'll be playing in the back here. So. Here we go. Edward Gorey, Amphigory 2. We got, uh, these, these are not even page numbered. I'm just gonna stop. Okay. This Wow. The Iron Tonic or a Winter Afternoon in Lonely Valley by Edward Gorey. The people at the Gray Hotel are either aged or unwell. The guests who chose to stay aloof lie wrapped in rugs upon the roof. A statue with a gas lamp torch has toppled over on the porch. The way the others wish to go has been obscured by drifted snow. Of objects falling from the air, the careful stroller should beware. It's known the skating pond conceals a family of enormous eels. A voice both ungenteel and loud has spoken from a passing cloud. The monuments above the dead are too eroded to be read. A venturesome but wounded bird is making an unwelcome third. They sifted through the ancient mound 
no bones or artifacts were found. A fugitive and lurid dream, uh, a fugitive and lurid gleam obliquely glide, a fugitive and lurid gleam obliquely gilds the gliding stream. The infant dead beside the path escaped the orphanage's wrath. The light is fading from the day, the rest is darkness and dismay. They've gone and left it all alone and absolutely useless stone. I just had this idea for uh, a movie called The Must. The Must. And basically, these people start coming to this realization that they must follow their calling. They must follow their highest joys and excitements. They will not settle for anything less. And what we start seeing is that these people are they're quitting their jobs and they are rediscovering all of these things that were exciting to them way back in the day. Maybe one of them was huge back in uh, elementary, elementary school doing origami. Then maybe another one of them used to have a, a, just a, a deep passion for creating stuff with wood. You know, maybe they're really good in industrial arts where they're, they had a bandsaw and stuff. Another one is was really good at skateboarding. Uh, another guy uh, just loved gymnastics. So maybe these people, they, they, they just start getting deep into this stuff. And the gymnastics guy starts getting really big into parkour where he's like climbing buildings and, buildings and stuff. And he seems like, what? Who's this super guy? And then um, the guy who does the, the, the wood, you know, maybe he ends up building this amazing structure that, you know, this crazy invention, you know, that saves people or or something. Homeless shelter, I don't know. Uh, the guy who's good at origami, he figures out some way of redesigning solar panels, you know, based on uh, origami and, the, and reflections and stuff like that. Um, maybe there's a person who just loves botany. They, they were really good at growing stuff. Uh, uh, making gardens and stuff and they got into something else later in life, life and all of a sudden so the must so the must these people feel that they must do this thing and what's happening is more and more people start being sort of affected by this thing and they're seeing a huge drop in crime a, a huge uh, a hugely optimistic and positive point of view it's it's moving in that direction they're noticing a lot more people doing nice things for for one another uh, it's um you're st starting to see more and more people really like completely succeeding at what they love doing and it's you know it's sort of in a sense these people just breaking out of the matrix from the inside out and with you know without force without anger without any sort of resistance really uh, just simply going in the direction of what they really want to be doing and um, in a very joyful, inspiring direction. And they just keep moving, moving towards it, moving towards it. And and then they end up combining forces. All these people start combining forces and then all of a sudden it starts teaching this awesome aspect of collaboration. 
you know, maybe the wooden, the guy who makes really awesome wood stuff, he builds like this moving trellis thing that is powered by the plants. The plants power it. I think there was a podcast where I had this idea of powering, you know, fuel instead of fuel, gasoline stuff. It's powered by plants. It's just the, the way that the, the, the growing is happening. Um, so it's, you know, maybe there's solar panels that convert it into some photosynthetic material. And so those plants are moving this thing. And the the skin and bones, the veins of this moving creature is a huge trellis. Heck, maybe the robotics guy. Maybe there's a guy who's really good with robotics and he finds out a way, just like with the midi sprout, um, he finds a way of communicating with this with this plant. Plant giant, so to speak. And it's good. And it's got a heart and it's you know, it's integrated with the AI technology. That would be intriguing. That would be intriguing. Wow. So the controls, let's say the controls of this uh, robot is it's controlled by the plant itself. It's hooked into its mainframe. So however the, pl- the song is that the plant is, is doing, it is... It's communicating with this thing, why you know via wireless, so to speak. Um, plus, I heard that there are people who are making their own internet. So imagine if you start combining those those aspects. Wow! And it's remote, you know, sort of remote controlling this sort of thing. Now you got the speakers and the MIDI sprout on there. Now that's controlling the plants. Those plants are hearing the songs. Wow! I mean, it just becomes the symphony. Imagine you start hooking up. I mean, how cool would that be? What a great thing is that? You got the the garden orchestra, and now you've got these plants singing this beautiful concert. They'll start learning from one another. Maybe you could teach them a song. You keep playing a particular song over and over for them, then eventually, you leave them be. So it learns. It learns what that's like. It starts singing it. Whoa. That would be intriguing. Wow. Now imagine if you got animals out there and dogs. Let's say you hook the midi sprout up to those and the plants. Now it's this orchestration between the dogs, the cats, and the plants and whatever else is in there. Let's say the sloth that's crawling between the the, the trees. That's cool. Put a midi sprout up to that guy. Hmm. I'm wondering if it would be more effective if the sloth had a belt with little speakers on it. Where it could hear its how it's harmonizing with, with the plants. Or if that speaker would just be it'd be like a blue blue Bluetooth sort of wireless kind of thing to another speaker somewhere else. Either way, the idea is that it starts correlating its own heart and its own song with the plants. Now you got a, a human in there who's really trying to be in tune with the plants. Maybe a clairvoyant, clairaudio, clairaudient. Whoa. Imagine if you get some clair, clairvoyant folks hooked up to the midi sprout, and then with the plants, and then with everything. Whoa. Could you imagine
Then we get Mike Schley's buddy who can levitate. We put the midi sprout on him. <whistles> Could you imagine that? We get the purest song vibration of someone levitating. Wow. Astounding. So, the must. Yeah, the people, they get it. They, they must do this thing. The must. They're still all-inclusive. They're just, you know, they're, they just quit their jobs working for someone else. They, they come to that realization of like, holy cow, I've worked th this hard doing these particular things for this particular company, excelling not even being passionate about that job and excelling phenomenally. So, you know, I might as well do that for myself. Take the big gamble on myself. We'll see what happens. The must. Wow. The must.